Welcome back to Mortgage Genomics Canada. I'm your host, Marco Gello. I'm a duly licensed mortgage broker in BC and Alberta, born and raised in Calgary, currently living in North Vancouver. If you're from either of these provinces require any mortgage-related services, please do not hesitate to contact me. Call or text me right now at 604-800-9593. 604-800-9593. One application, one credit check, and access to Canada's top lenders. All right, welcome back, everyone. Um, today's headliner topic, I'm going to talk about mortgages for the self-employed. But before we get to that, here's what's on my mind this week. Okay, so we can all delete and cancel the word transitory, finally, um, as it was so widely used by North American economists uh, to describe the surging rate of inflation. And it was Jerome Powell, this is the chair of the U.S. Federal Reserve, who made this declaration to the world recently. And bang, just like that, the entire Western world is no longer in denial about inflation. As of just a couple of weeks ago, um, you will never hear the word transitory, or at least you'll never hear it associated with the word inflation. So what does this mean? Basically, by winding down quantitative easing, they are essentially beginning the process of removing economic stimulus. So for the past couple few years, the uh, central banks, both Canada's and then the US, uh, they've essentially been printing money and handing it to the banks to basically distribute to businesses and consumer channels throughout the banking system. And naturally, that appeared to work. You know, the stock markets uh, did very well. They flourished. The uh, real estate, as we, we all know, we talk about all the time, skyrocketed across the country. And consumer savings and spending reached record levels. Uh, and actually, some argue that it worked a bit too good. And in my world, of course, the mortgage industry, the stimulus played a massive role in keeping interest rates low. So, so why now, you may ask? Why is, the, why is it now the time to stop stimulus? Because the U.S. appears to be satisfied with the current level of employment and the current level of inflation. You know, whatever that real figure is, rather than the one that we're led to believe, the uh, general public. So now the question is, how much and how long, as in, how aggressive will the rise of interest rates be and over what span of time will it occur? So, like, the water has been brought to a boil and it's time to turn down the heat and kind of bring it down to a simmer, kind of what's going on. The main takeaway from this news is the fact that we are no longer in denial about inflation and the process to do something about it has officially begun. We can, we can officially declare that. So for the next 12 months, get used to hearing more from the Bank of Canada and the Fed in the U.S. Um, these two money control organizations or bodies or whatever of their respective countries will be revealing results of their prior work up into this announcement, up until the announcement date and clues of what to expect ahead. So it's kind of like when someone famous is in the hospital in serious condition after a bad accident and the doctor 
coming out for an official press conference type of setting, revealing the results of the surgery, and most importantly, the resulting condition of the patient. That's what it's going to be like for the next 12 months. Like, all eyes are going to be on these announcements, like they haven't been already. Um, or who knows, quite possibly longer than 12 months. Like, every move that the Bank of Canada, but really more so the U.S. Fed, you know, the massive power of the world, the, the banking system, the U.S. Fed, is going to massively um, be analyzed by the public, the businesses, and uh, in the overall stock markets. In all of which, by the way, um, they, they'll react in a knee-jerk reaction. In, in Canada, these press conferences occur eight times throughout the course of the year. Um, this schedule basically serves as an opportunity for the central bank to tweak and uh, adjust the, the dials on the oven, so to say. And the same applies to the U.S. Eight meetings, as they call them, meetings, uh, per year. This is, this is going to be extremely data-driven uh, type of decision-making, as opposed to what we've become accustomed to, um, the emergency irrational decision-making we've, we've been, uh, like I said, accustomed to. And, of course, the big wild card in all of this will be how COVID plays out in the meantime, right? So continue to tune in for uh, my, my street version, my mortgage broker analysis on this. Uh, for now, I think it's safe to speculate that throughout this tapering process, um, which can be anywhere from at least one year, and who knows how potentially even longer it can be. But for now, I think it's safe to say interest rates will continue to rise, uh, but it likely won't do so in a perfect linear fashion. Um, how steep and over what time period are the new metrics to be aware of. So grab your popcorn, take your seat, and uh, enjoy the show. We are, we are now officially in recovery mode. Until the next crisis, of course. Um, I still can't believe... Just turning off my phone here. Um, I still can't believe we are, we are not investing um, new capital in our life-saving, massively income-producing, GDP-boosting, nationwide cash cow, oil and gas. Okay. Uh, I'm sure there is some investment capital finding its way through some narrow corridor and into Alberta's oil and gas sector, but not nearly the amount we need to get us to that game-changer level. You know, and, and when I say us, by the way, I mean Canada, not just Alberta. Like uh, selling houses to each other and opening up the floodgates to immigration isn't going to get us out of this big, massive fiscal debt. Just to, to give you an idea of how financially impactful oil is, the revenue that it generates, it, it's mind-blowing. Um, in February of 2021, it's 10 months ago, Alberta was projecting an $18 billion deficit. Okay, so 10 months ago, $18 billion deficit they were projecting. Fast forward to today, 10 months later, the deficit has been reduced to $5.8 billion. It's like $13 billion difference from 10 months ago. That's insane. And, and that's not because Alberta diversified its economy. 
that's that's all oil and gas royalty revenue. I care what anyone says. I know they got a few new tech companies in downtown Calgary and everything. But yeah, that's not $13 billion difference to the economy. Not yet, anyways. So this is the year where a substantial chunk of the oil sands investments are expected to pay off, like big time. So there are, I read, five oil sands projects um, that will graduate this year into a higher royalty rate due to like rising crude prices and just the, the time frame and the schedule of, of the whole financing of the operation, the investment, which means they will provide significantly more money into the treasury. Um, Canada and Alberta invested in this for the long haul, and it's about to start paying off. Like it already has it, though, right? But it's about to start paying off now in higher increments. And But, but here we are now, talking about how we can continuously shut it down instead. I don't get it. Head scratcher, total head scratcher. I get it, you know, climate change, electric cars, David Suzuki, totally get it. But these these things don't happen overnight. And not, I don't just get it, I believe it. Like, we're, we're, we got ahead. We, of course, I'm in no denial here about climate change and, and all that stuff. But it doesn't happen overnight. This transition it just won't happen overnight. And, and also, there's so much innovation in science that is not being discussed or disclosed when it comes to the oil sands. Just got to say that. Shameful. I think people forget that um, science is constantly evolving and changing. And the narrative for Alberta oil has been so static, right? You know, science is changing and evolving, but the narrative on Alberta oil is just static. So, so negative. You know, and I, th- I think that's ridiculous and, and shameful, in my opinion. I don't mean to offend anyone out there. Personally, knowing about the, the amount of innovation and scientific advancements that is going there, um, if your position on climate change and oil is bad mentality has been in the opposing camp for the, you know, the past decade, then I, you know what? You're also saying that you don't trust science. Because I can tell you, there's a whole lot of science and cutting-edge technology going on up there. There I go. Again, digressing. Again about my home home province of Alberta. All right, let's move on here. Um, interest rates. Last week, Thursday, December 8th, was the final Bank of Canada announcement for 2021. And as expected, they have kept the overnight rate at 0.25%, which also means that the banks will leave prime rate unchanged, also at 2.45%. Technically, the banks can do whatever they want, regardless of, of what the Bank of Canada announces. But it's extremely rare that they move to their own beat. So prime rate still at 2.45%. Um, their message remains mostly consistent that they anticipate the first rate hike uh, to occur around the middle quarter of 2022. So we'll continue to keep our ears to the ground on this and look forward to the next schedule and announcement which will be the first one of 2022, and that will be on January the 26th. Um, Not much activity on fixed rates last week, still in the 2.59% to 2.79% range. Um, So yeah, you know, on a historic perspective, that's cheap money. But interestingly enough, bond yields 
have been falling since uh, November 19th. And in this, technically, this means rates should follow in the same direction. But because we live in such uh, different nonsensical times here, um, that's not occurring. So many believe that the, the rate increase for, you know, mid mid quarters of 2022 have already been priced into the fixed rates or that's a that's a theory right there but uh, i'm expecting uh, in the medium term here that any rate activity up or down will be marginal for for the fixed rate mortgages but anyhow check in weekly and uh we'll we'll continue to keep track of that and i'll report on what i'm hearing from my sources let's begin and discuss this week's headliner mortgages for the self-employed Wondering whether to proceed with a fixed or a variable mortgage? Why not pick both? There's a mortgage just for that. In fact, there's a mortgage that allows you the flexibility to configure it any way you desire. I call them hybrid mortgages. So let's say you have a $500,000 mortgage. If you wanted to, you could configure it so that $200,000 is allocated in a five-year fixed rate, $100,000 as a five-year variable, and the remaining $200,000 as a home equity line of credit. And better yet, every year you receive a detailed statement from the lender that outlines the cumulative interest charges for each configured mortgage. If you want to learn more, shoot me a text or give me a ring at 604-800-9593. 604-800-9593. Or look me up at homefinancingsolutions.ca. One application, one credit check, and access to Canada's top lenders. And now, back to the episode. Did you know... Approximately 15% of Canadians are self-employed, making this an important segment in the mortgage and financing space. When it comes to self-employed individuals seeking a mortgage, there are some key things to note as this process can differ from the standard mortgage. For self-employed individuals with an established business seeking best rate financing, the business must have a minimum two years of history. This includes self-employed applicants who own a full or part-time business in the form of sole proprietorships, incorporations, and partnerships. In order to obtain a mortgage when self-employed, most lenders require your most recent two years of personal income tax documents, notice of assessments, and T1 generals. Typically, individuals who can provide these documents with acceptable income levels should have little issue obtaining a mortgage product and rates available to the traditional borrower. One primary benefit of being self-employed is the privilege of writing your income down. You enjoy less tax because you get to write off expenses, but you lose borrowing power. It is important to be aware of this. You can either pay less tax or have more borrowing power. As a self-employed individual, you will fall into one of the following three categories. Category number one, you can provide two years worth of personal income tax documents and will qualify based on the two-year average of your declared income, as disclosed on line 150 of your notice of assessment. Your minimum down payment is 5% and you will receive the same insurer premiums and interest rates as non-self-employed applicants. Category number two, You can provide two years worth of personal income tax documents, but your declared income, line 150 of your notice of assessments, is very low due to all the write-offs you declared. In this case, your application is further analyzed as the qualification criteria become more challenging. At this stage, business financial statements or business-related schedules from your T1 generals will be examined to determine reasonability and validation pertaining to your qualifying income. Your minimum down payment increases to 10% and your insurance premiums increase. 
but your interest rate offerings remain competitive and uncompromised when compared with non-self-employed applicants. And finally, category number three, you are unable to provide two years worth of personal income tax documents and are therefore required to increase your down payment to 20% or possibly higher. Not only does your down payment increase, but so does your interest rate. Here's a list of the standard document requests from lenders for self-employed applicants. You can expect to submit at least two or sometimes all of the following. For incorporated businesses, two years of accountant prepared financial statements, income statement and balance sheet. Two most recent years of personal NOAs, notice of assessments. Two most recent years of T1 generals with all reference schedules. Potentially six to 12 months of business bank statements. Statement of account to verify that there are no taxes in arrears. That's all I got for today. Call or text me anytime if you have any mortgage questions at all, especially if you are in British Columbia or Alberta as I am licensed to service these two specific provinces, and especially if you are from Vancouver or Calgary as I am very familiar with these markets. And of course, I welcome calls and emails from all over the world for those that are in the process of or have recently relocated or immigrated to Canada from elsewhere. Call or text me at 604-800-9593 or you can get me on WhatsApp or Facebook Messenger. Or just go ahead and link up to my website, homefinancingsolutions.ca. Thank you again for tuning into Mortgage Genomics Canada. Stay well, everyone. Talk again soon.